What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Smart Business Solutions, the official podcast of GBS, America's productivity partner. Each episode, we are going to explore some of the biggest threats and challenges in today's business world and the vast amount of solutions GBS offers to meet them. All right. Well, this is Rich Lalo with GBS, and welcome to a very special episode of Smart Business Solutions. Today, we are going to be discussing a topic that is a bit different from our normal subject matter, but it's arguably more important, I would say, than anything else we've discussed thus far on the show. As you may or may not know, every February is American Heart Month, as declared by the federal government and supported by the American Heart Association whose goal is to eradicate heart disease and stroke for Americans through ongoing education and prevention. The first Heart Month was proclaimed by President Lyndon Johnson back in 1964, and this has been repeated annually each February since that time. So to discuss this topic today, we have with us some very special guests in the studio. We have two experts in the field, actually three experts in the field. The two that are going to be speaking primarily are going to be Dr. David Goff and Dan Lasky. Also with us is Rita Pickens. So Nurse Rita, thank you for being with us. Mm. Dr. Goff is the Medical Director of Mercy Hospital Work Health and Safety and is residency trained and board certified in both emergency medicine and family practice. Prior to completing medical school, Dr. Goff was a full-time firefighter, paramedic, and underwater search and recovery diver for the Cuyahoga Falls Fire Department in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. And also with us is Dan Lasky, who we had the pleasure of meeting last time, our last episode, when we talked about corporate wellness. Uh, Dan has been the registered nurse here at GBS for the last two years and has been a practicing RN for seven years. And in fact, this show, uh, along with our previous episode on corporate wellness, are topics that Dan is passionate about, and he actually brought to us and wanted to do these shows. Uh, they were his ideas. So Dan, we, we thank you very much for doing that. And again, thanks for being here today. So uh, before we jump into questions, uh, Dan's just going to tell us a little bit more about these shows and, and kind of why we're doing them. Yeah, so on this one, like I said, we're doing it for Heart Awareness Month and everything. And, you know, for those of you that don't know, the number one killer in the United States is heart disease. And underneath that, you know, you, you have a lot of different different diagnoses like stroke and heart, heart, stroke and heart disease and heart attack, which we're going to focus on today. Heart disease is the number one killer in the United States. It's about 23% of the deaths in the United States so far this year, for 2017. This is from the data from there. Wow. That's... Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty serious. Pretty serious stuff. So very good. Well, thanks, Dan. So like Dan said, again, we're going to be covering two major topics here today, heart attacks and strokes. So we're going to start with the topic of heart attack. And for Dr. Goff, I'm going to ask you the, the first question we have here is what exactly is a heart attack and what happens to the heart during a heart attack? A uh, heart attack starts by the blockage of the blood vessel either by a piece of clot or plaque that floats through the heart system to the artery that actually feeds the heart muscle. So in a complete heart attack or a, a STEMI, uh, ST elevation MI, you have a complete blockage of that blood vessel. So distal to the blockage, you have no blood supply any longer feeding your heart muscle. Mm. So the heart muscle is now starved for oxygen and nutrients, and 
it has a cascade of symptoms that can result in actually sudden cardiac death due to an electrical disturbance of the heart. Or if you are lucky and that area of the heart is relatively small in size, getting you to the emergency department and to the cardiac cath lab, we have the possibility of opening that blockage and reestablishing the blood flow to that heart muscle. That can be done if it's too, too long of a time to get you into the cardiac cath lab, we can give you the thrombolytic medication, medication that dissolves that blood clot. Mm. And we attempt to put it into smaller fragments to make it go more distal down the little tiny blood vessels of that heart and allow for a, a reestablishment of blood flow to that heart muscle that was being starved. And that can be a life-saving event. Mm -hmm. In the case of a cardiac cath lab, we can get you right into the cardiac cath lab. They thread a catheter into that coronary artery and actually remove the clot with the cardiac cath. Or we can administer the thrombolytic medication right at the point of the blockage. Uh, so that reduces the amount that you have to have, which does carry a risk of bleeding with it. We can put it exactly where we want it and then reestablish the blood flow and resolve your heart attack, and hopefully you don't have any heart damage to the muscle. Great. So what are some of the major signs and symptoms that we would look for uh, or someone would look for for a heart attack? Heart attack itself can be very sudden, so you may not have any symptoms prior to that. But usually this kind of occurs in people over a period of time where you develop the atherosclerotic disease, which is the narrowing of that blood vessel over time. Think of it as your kitchen sink that's running kind of slow. Mm -hmm. it's, it has grease and, and plaque buildup in the wall of that pipe. Things are getting slow. You've noticed you've been a little shorter breath uh, with activity. Maybe you've had some intermittent chest discomfort. Maybe you notice that you can't go up a set of steps without stopping first. Mm. Well, that all leads to a, a scenario where you have a funnel effect in that blood vessel where it's getting smaller and smaller. Now the blood clot or the plaque that's broken loose, it acts like a cork in a wine bottle, and now all of a sudden you have a complete blockage. When you have the complete blockage, that's the heart attack. When you had the funnel effect where things were getting more tight and more tight inside that coronary artery, then you're having the symptoms of angina or chest pain, shortness mm -hmm. of breath. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll have left arm discomfort that goes away when you rest. Sometimes your shortness of breath will resolve in a few minutes if you just sit down and rest. If you ignore those symptoms or you didn't really appreciate those symptoms, you can take yourself into the situation where you can suddenly have that heart attack. So are symptoms different for men and women? Because I've heard that said before that they are. Very different for okay. men and women. Men have more of a set pattern of shortness of breath, chest pain, maybe some sweatiness, which we call diaphoresis. You may get a little nauseated. Some people have a cough. Some people have abdominal discomfort or maybe some shoulder pain or back pain. Often they confuse these symptoms with gallbladder problems or, yeah. or stomach dyspepsia or, or GERD symptoms that we, gastric esophageal reflux disease. And we kind of lull ourselves into that sense, oh, it's, it's nothing really. I'll just yeah. take a couple of Tums and I'll be fine. But the reality is they were sitting down and resting 
and they weren't doing much and their chest pain went away and the Tums was just kind of coincidental. So we tend to dismiss those uh, symptoms until they get to be rather severe. Now women, I, I laugh at my wife, I say, Women are just complicated. <laughs> they they <laughs> don't present the same way. Uh, the woman as men. in the room here is uh, <laughs> they are, throwing her hands up in the air. They are complicated. There. Uh -huh. They don't have the same symptoms. <clears throat> Women are extremely tough, and they they just ignore those symptoms for mm -hmm. a long time. Mm -hmm. It's just in their nature to be that way. Being mom or or grandmom, they, yeah. they just don't complain about things. Mm -hmm. And they don't experience those same symptoms that a, that a man does. So I get extremely nervous when a woman tells me that she doesn't feel well because women will go to the doctor, but they don't like going to the emergency room. They have other things that they have to do. Sure. And they have vague symptoms that you have to pay attention or it can slip by, and then you don't want them to have a heart attack. You don't want them to have damage to that heart muscle. Mm -hmm. So it's important that we have a high degree of speculation that, that maybe this isn't just something that's normal, that they need to have a stress test. They need to have more of a, of a workup done. And in the emergency department, that's always been my caveat. You just can't trust those symptoms in a woman. Gotcha. So at what point would you advise someone who maybe thinks they're having a heart attack, is feeling some symptoms, what point would they call 911 or get to the emergency room? If you're thinking that you may have a heart attack, I want you to, to make the call to 911. I do not want you to try to drive yourself to the car or to get to the car and drive yourself to the hospital because you may hurt yourself or others on the highway if you mm -hmm. lose consciousness. Mm -hmm. You have a high likelihood of losing consciousness due to an abnormal heart rhythm with a true heart attack. If you're having angina, usually those symptoms will improve with rest, oxygen, maybe some nitroglycerin if you have a known coronary problem that your doctor has prescribed those medicines. But heart attack is very unpredictable and the electrical problems are instantaneous. It's just like turning on and off a light switch. So if you lose consciousness, you're going to lose control of your car. If right. you're traveling at a decent right. rate of speed, you're going to hurt someone besides yourself. If you're in a situation where you have no possibility of having someone come and help you, that would be the only time I'd want you to try to get yourself to an area where someone could help you. Okay. Very good. So... If you think something's wrong, just call. be safe and call. Call. Okay. You're not going to be able to figure this out at home. This, right. has, this requires EKGs, laboratory work, uh, blood work that's done over a period of time, which are the cardiac enzymes that we draw and compare. It takes time for those substances to show up in your blood, and then it slowly elevates over time. Mm. And that initial set of cardiac enzymes may very well be negative, even in an acute heart attack. All right. So kind of along those lines, how, how would you advise someone to differentiate between, say, an actual heart attack and heartburn, indigestion, maybe muscle ache? I mean, I did a lot of work this weekend. I'm kind of tight. My back hurts. Generally speaking... Musculoskeletal pain that's from you working too hard, 
mm-hmm. raking the yard, cleaning out the garage, those kinds of things, the muscle hurts when you press on it with your hand, and it mm-hmm. feels better when you take that away. That momentary discomfort when you're pressing on your chest or between your ribs, if that follows that pattern, that's probably simple musculoskeletal pain. You know that you were doing activity that you haven't done in a while and your muscles are sore. Mm -hmm. If you're having chest pain, chest pressure, you notice that you seem to be a little short of breath or you're winded, you're not able to really do activity that you normally do without any problem, like walking up a set of steps, that's not normal. You normally know that you can walk up the steps to the second floor to go to the bedroom and not have a problem. If you're suddenly having a problem, then that needs to be looked at. Okay, very good. Okay, so the the next thing I wanted to ask you was, and I know this is again where Dan and Rita have helped helped a lot in the past, is kind of modifying our lifestyle, modifying risk factors, and changing things that we do on a daily basis that can kind of help prevent heart attacks. So what are, would you say, some of those things that you can do, some of the modifiable risk factors and lifestyle changes that we can make? We have risk factors that we can change, and then we have risk factors that we can't. Mm, Risk factors that you can't is your gender. Are you a man or are you a woman? Risk factors are, are worse for a man to develop earlier heart disease than a woman. You're not going to be able to change your age. The age you are is the age you are. But risk factors that we can change are don't smoke. Did I say that? Don't (laughs) smoke. Don't smoke. Gotcha. That's the worst risk factor uh, of all the cardiovascular disease that moves in a direction of badness. Mm -hmm. You must not smoke. It damages all the blood vessels of your body, so it puts you at elevated risk for heart attack and stroke, as well as peripheral vascular disease. Mm -hmm. And we tend to think that cardiovascular disease, that whole process, is limited to the heart. It's not. That's a systemic disease, and it affects the blood vessels that go to your brain. It affects the blood vessels that go to your intestine. And it, it affects blood vessels that go to your arms and your legs. Hypertension that's not controlled. We don't, men don't like to take our medicine. Yep. That's a bad thing to do. And I've worked very hard for myself to make sure that I'm compliant with my medicine, just like I want my patients to be compliant. Untreated hypertension causes cardiovascular disease and damage to the blood vessels. That damage over time allows cholesterol plaques to build up, and then you're actually causing that funnel effect. And when it reaches a significant amount, now, you're, now you have disease that is actually affecting you, your heart, your blood vessels, your peripheral vascular disease, and, and maybe the actually how much blood flow goes to your leg, and you may end up with an amputation because of that. Mm. Obesity. We all like to eat in this country. Mm-hmm. Obesity is rampant. Obesity goes hand-in-hand with diabetes and metabolic syndrome. Insulin resistance is directly related to how overweight people are. The heavier we are, the worse our insulin resistance becomes, and we, we begin on that pathway to becoming diabetic. Family history of myocardial infarction, you cannot change what your family history is, so right. you can't alter that. 
but we can alter lack of exercise. We've become a very complacent society. Back in our grandfather, great-grandfather's day, you had to work hard just to eat. Now we have a lot of machines and robots and automation. We don't work as hard as a as a as a country as we used to physically in years past. Another pet peeve is the illicit drug use. Mm-hmm. Stimulants, uh, the amphetamines and the cocaine is is very very damaging to the blood vessels. Uh, you don't realize that when you're using those illicit drugs, but they're Every time you use it, it's damaging you. Hmm. The cause of the cocaine and the amphetamine causes the coronary arteries to spasm. When that creates that funnel effect, that also makes it easier for you to have the heart attack. Autoimmune disease, rheumatoid arthritis and lupus are diseases that you're you're not going to be able to change. Unfortunately, that's in your genetics. But autoimmune diseases damage your blood vessels as well Hmm. and put you at risk for earlier cardiovascular disease, and that elevates your risk of MI. So what would you say the primary age is for a person that would be risk of a heart attack? Is there a primary age? You can have a, you can have a, a myocardial infarction at any age. Mm-hmm. If you have a, a lessening of the diameter of that coronary artery, be it from a congenital disease, uh, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, or any autoimmune disease such as lupus. But the, the older we become, the more prone we are to have a, a myocardial infarction, cardiovascular disease associated with our advancing age. So say, say age 65 and older, you do have a significant risk that within a 10-year period of time you could have a myocardial infarction. But there are many, many health conditions that predispose you to an earlier myocardial infarction. When you see the 18-year-old athlete in high school who falls over dead from sudden cardiac death on the track and field, Mm -hmm. that's usually due to the fact that they have an electrical disturbance and that light switch goes on, the light switch goes off. In that case, whatever caused the electrical disturbance, be it a small blockage that cleared itself or not, it was the electricity that wasn't flowing correctly in the heart that caused the arrhythmia that caused them to expire on the field. And a lot of times would, that would be something they probably wouldn't even have been aware of, right? They would have no, they would have no symptoms because they're young mm-hmm. and their coronary arteries are generally open and caliper. But if they abuse the illicit drugs like mm-hmm. the amphetamines and the cocaine, then all bets are off, and that predisposes you to those electrical problems. Young people don't survive heart attacks as well as older people. Hmm. If you read the statistics for the the young 18-year-old who has a heart attack, he doesn't survive it because he doesn't have the collateral circulation of the blood vessels. So he's got large diameter blood vessel, but it's a straight-through pipe, and it doesn't have a lot of tributaries associated with that. When you discuss, oh, my great-grandfather, yeah, he's had seven heart attacks. Mm. I go, he's had seven heart attacks because he has extra blood vessels that have grown over time because he's having a prolonged period of time where his blood flow is being restricted. So the body responds to that, and it puts out little feeder vessels. 
Okay. I liken that to a tomato plant. If you go to Walmart and you buy a tomato plant and you bring it home and you wash all the dirt off the roots and you hold it up, you've got large roots and then you have those little tiny thread roots that come off. Mm-hmm. When you're a young person, you don't have the little tiny thread roots, so you don't have any alternate pathway for blood flow to fill in the area where you're having your problem. Mm. He's got a single large root, and that suddenly gets blocked, and it causes vastly more damage to the heart muscle than it does when you're older. Very interesting. Just to kind of wrap up a little bit, I guess you could say, on, on on heart attacks, what is the difference between a heart attack and cardiac arrest? A heart attack is the actual blockage of the blood vessel. And if it's completely blocked, that would give you an ST elevation MI. That's where we can look at that on, a, on an EKG and we can call that a STEMI. And that's when we have to get that blood vessel open right away. Mm. Cardiac <clears throat> arrest is the result of an electrical disturbance. Okay. And that's when the heart muscle, for all intents and purposes, it stops beating. So when you walk to the end of the driveway and the person was carrying out the trash and he dropped right at the end of the driveway with no warning, that's sudden cardiac death. That's usually associated with an electrical disturbance like ventricular fibrillation, which is a shaking of the heart and it doesn't actually pump blood. You have about 10 seconds that you're going to be conscious from the blood that circulated in your brain and then then you're on the ground and there's no mm. more blood being circulated so now you're you're dying mm. so that's okay all right well that's pretty that's, that's serious stuff that's big big stuff but thank you for explaining all of that this show has been a production of gbs for more information on the topics discussed today or the solutions offered, contact us at marketing at gbscorp.com. That's marketing at gbscorp.com. Or you can call at 800-552-2427. And lastly, check us out on the web at www.gbscorp.com. That's www.gbscorp.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes.